to Something for the Turbo, the new weekly podcast brought to you by Unfound, the global platform for the travel-loving cyclist. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Something for the Turbo. I am your host, Jules. If you are new to the podcast, please do subscribe and go back and check out some of our previous episodes. We've got some fantastic conversations with cycling personalities from around the world and make sure you're telling all your cycling friends as well. If you're missing the Giro Rosa, why don't you go back and listen to our conversation with the magnificent Emma Pooley. If you're missing the Tour de France, why don't you have a listen to Steve Cummings recount his epic breakaway victory a few years ago. And if you're missing the soothing voice of Brian Smith on Eurosport Coventry, why don't you go back and have a listen to him tell us about his career career from racer to team manager to commentator anyway let's get on to today's conversation i speak with professional cycling bum alan rump about his 36 years in cycling from racing to working with uci for over 20 years to cycling guiding in the swiss alps and now providing some of the most wonderful cycling content we will love to see we discuss a tremendous amount from the tarnished era of cycling and doping and its impact in the 90s and early 2000s, the UCI and its evolution, some of the things that the UCI does well, some of the challenges it's faced. We discuss riding in Switzerland, some of the best climbs to do, where to stay, and loads more. So without further ado, let me bring you Alan. Good morning, Alan. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Thank you very much for taking the time to join us. How are, how are the beautiful Swiss Alps today? Wow, well... We are like mid-September and it's like in the in the middle of summer. It's a beautiful day, sunny, dry, uh, and and very nice here up in the mountains, some fresh air. So yeah, great weather. Yeah, it's crazy. I remember doing the Hout route uh, in the Alps a few years ago, which I think was September as well, and being sort of surprised at, at how warm it was. But then seeing the tour this year as well, I'm surprised again at how, how summery it is at this time of year. When does it start to close down, uh, sorry, cool down in the Alps? When does it get a bit colder? Well, you know, the, the weather here can change dramatically. And today it's uh, probably like 22 degrees Celsius here up uh, where I live, which is 1,200 meters. But uh, two weeks ago, uh, we could see the snow line very close. So, you know, it can really snow any time of the, the year. So right now it's it's beautiful, but, um, you know, we, we have to enjoy it while it lasts because uh, soon maybe the, the snow will come and, and the high passes will, uh, will close. You have to get the skis out the cupboard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So this time of year, I suppose you have to be slightly careful in terms of when you go out for a long ride, making sure you've got, you know, wind jacket or enough clothes in case the weather turns pretty quickly. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. And, uh, you know, when when it's like 20, 25 degrees in the valley, maybe at the top of the the high passes, which are above 2000 meters altitudes, it can be uh, five to 10 degrees uh, with wind. So you you have to take uh, layers with you. That's that's cycling in the mountains. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, I've I've gone off on a complete tangent as per usual, but why don't we why don't we kick back a little bit? Tell us a little bit about how you got into cycling and when when you first started. Yeah, sure. How did I get into cycling? Well, I I was born in Switzerland in Geneva. I grew up by the lake of Geneva. Very uh, you know average life as a as a Swiss uh, Swiss kids was pretty 
active, tried uh, different sports, but never really found the one I, I loved and I was good at. I tried football, martial arts, gymnastics, and uh, never really, really clicked until one one day when my mom found in the local newspaper an article saying that the local cycling club was organizing uh, rides and you know training sessions for for kids for beginners and i i showed up uh and it was basically love at first sight i, so, I yeah. totally fell in love with the sports uh and and actually that was a few months after i started watching cycling on television so in, in 1983 i watched yeah. the the tour de france and laurent fignon won that tour de france and and somehow i just got stuck and and was was actually listening on on the, to the tour de france on the radio french radio europe 1 was uh, reporting live from uh, from the race and and i was just totally you know like like uh, yeah fell in love with the sport and 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 started following everything and the the, the next uh, year 1984 i i started riding and and this is when my mom found this article uh and and so yeah became a member of my local club the velo club Vevey, yeah and uh started racing at that age it's just small regional races wasn't particularly good at the beginning because uh uh i was quite uh, you know small and and skinny compared to uh kids my age but made uh, steady progress and by the age of 15 16 uh started to 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 do some some good results and most importantly i just loved it you know i loved training i loved uh everything about about the sports being in nature being on my own because i was and still am an introvert so i i find i recharge my batteries by being alone on my bike and um and yeah so so was was riding training racing and when i was into junior category started uh doing some really good results at regional and, and national level one to races uh i was back in 1989 and uh then uh, at the time the, the next category was called amateurs in uh, in in switzerland this was before the, the u23 category was introduced and i kept racing until 1993 which was my final year at university i did one year in the the elite category so not the pros the category just below racing at national and international level was doing okay but um but uh, you know when the time came to make a decision you know what what should i do i i have my university degree uh, should i try and keep racing and maybe become a pro one day or or not i felt that uh, you know i wasn't good enough or i wasn't made for living as a professional rider so decided to to stop racing at the the the, the highest uh, possible level very cool and and was it that you you'd had exposure to to see how the pros live their lives and how disciplined they had to be you just felt you wanted to try and do something a little bit different or what were the sort of drivers behind that decision yeah i think my year as an elite racer i participated in in a some stage races went on training camps yeah. and just found that 
although I loved training and I was training very hard and, and so, you know, I wasn't afraid of, 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 you know, <laughs> hurting and, and suffering. The, the idea of being away from home for such a long time and, uh, it wasn't particularly appealing to me. So, so the switch from racing hard as a hobby to, being having this as a job you know it's just felt that it was not my thing really yeah i totally get that it's a, it's a particular lifestyle for sure so so what did you do when you uh, when you sort of decided to hang up the race wheels did you, you obviously wanted to stay within the sport that you fell in love with so deeply where did you go from from uni yeah so i i graduated with a degree in in political science and uh, i had this idea that i wanted to work in sports but didn't really know how i could do it and 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 where to start so i got a an internship in in the the the, the city i i lived in vevey to to work on local sports events and and working with local clubs and while i was doing this there was an ad in the local newspaper that the uci the international cycling federation was looking was was there was a position open then and i just uh, because i i lived about 30 kilometers far from Lausanne, which is uh, uh, the or was at the time the headquarters of the UCI, together yeah. with the IOC and a number of other international federations. So I applied. Much to my surprise, I I got an interview, showed up, and um, so it was f- to work with the anti-doping departments. The you know the, the, oh, wow. the requirements were to speak German, have legal qualifications, uh, have some knowledge of, of, you know, medical stuff. And basically, my German was uh, my school German. Legal knowledge, I had done one uh, uh, law course at uh, university for one year. And uh, medical, my dad was a doctor. This was, this, this, <laughs> this was ah, okay. so I was told that this job was not for me, but there was another job that was uh, being uh, uh, created, and I got it. I it was a small job as an assistant in the kind of the sports department, and yeah, on the first of August, nineteen ninety-four. So I, I started working for the UCI, and it was something absolutely incredible for me because it was like reaching the pinnacle, you know, at your at your very first job ever. So that was pretty- yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, very cool. And you probably dodged a bullet not joining the anti-doping side of the ECI back in 1994. That was uh, probably a, a, a wise move. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, of course, of course, these were troubled times for the the the, the, the sports, and uh, and uh, I I was happy to be involved in more the, the 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 side of the development of the of the of the sports but i have to say that in hindsight i, I think the, the the lucky thing was actually to not keep racing trying to become a pro and maybe becoming a pro and and this is very sad to say but i realized later that if i had tried i would have had to make some very tough decisions because this yeah. just as EPO, the use of EPO was becoming widespread in the sports. I didn't really understand what was going on at the time, but uh, I know I would have, you know, I was part of the 
of the lost generation of cycling. So I'm, I'm actually glad I was able to stay in the sports and do a lot of things without having to deal with this. In the- make those hard decisions, right? Yeah, because you said there's a whole generation of people that that had to make those very, very difficult decisions during that time. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, my some of my friends, I saw them. Some continued, some stopped. But it was it was it was very, very uh, uh, difficult. And uh, you know, you can have an opinion on how the sports dealt with it and how some people make the wrong decisions. But uh, uh, I, you know, it was just just so just so hard because uh, this was something that you know doping has been part of sports and especially cycling forever basically but EPO yeah. was something special EPO was was really turning a, a Fiat Cinquecento into a Ferrari yeah. and uh, remain undetectable for years so allowed a, 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 a very deep and and bad culture to 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 uh, spread through through sports. So yeah, it was bad. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because I'm always been a huge believer that I think during that period it it probably impacted all sports. Although cycling seemed to get the I suppose the the worst press off the back of it. But but you know it doesn't take long to do a bit of digging to find out that you know there's a lot of stuff that happened from everything from from football to rugby to you know every sport that requires an improved engine has been tainted it really was such a a game changer as a performance enhancing drug wasn't it oh yeah completely i mean yeah as you say it's uh, you know it's it, it it boosts endurance so you you ride faster you and longer you run you swim you ski whatever so every sports with uh, an endurance component was uh, was impacted and yeah i mean it didn't reflect the same in the media and the, the perception of the the public for many many reasons but that was something that impacted every sport yeah it's funny and i don't know why cycling has such a particular focus or or during that period it had such or maybe it was more obvious I don't know. It's strange, isn't it? Yeah, I think. I mean, to to be honest, certainly the the use of EPO was very widespread in cycling. So so uh, uh, I think it was you know kind of normal that this would be reported uh, by the, the 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 media and there would be that perception from the from the public. So there was indeed a, a very uh, deep problem that was for a number of years impossible to solve uh, yeah. because the substance was undetectable then you can you can try and dig deeper and understand why cycling got such bad press compared to i don't know football and some will argue that uh, uh, football got some protections at the highest level that cycling didn't have uh, yeah, exactly yeah and i think there's a misconception in the press that because it's a team sport it doesn't make as much as an impact but if you can make better decisions and have better endurance in a team sport it doesn't matter it's still hugely impactful so i think that's uh, slightly wrong so i, I kind of w- want to obviously move, move on from this but 
just just quickly, I mean, I think that I think again, a, a lot of people see it very much a, a black and white, or it's painted in the media as a very black and white situation, where where it's not. It's incredibly grey, and there are many different factors to it. Given the fact that that where you took your own racing career and then going to work for the UCI, do you have a how do you generally feel about that period? A certain amount of sadness, or what, what's your sort of general emotion towards it? Well, I guess there's two two levels here. One is the the, the general level towards the sports. And I have to say, when I now look at, you know, archives and uh, footage of racing in the 90s and early 2000s, or maybe late 2000s as well, it does make me sad because, uh, because now we know. And uh, it's hard to look at those epic battles in the mountains uh, with, uh, with you know, like a naive uh, eyes, I would say. Yeah. It, it hurts. At, from, from a you know, personal point of view, when I look at all these years I spent in the sports, I, you know, I'm, I'm, an, I'm naive and I try to uh, enjoy the moment. So I think I, I managed it uh, in a way that I, I have no, you know, it's not like I'm telling myself, oh, you know, I lost 20 years of my life working for the UCI because I was in such a tainted era of the sports. What, what did I do? No, because I, I, I mean, for me, I, I grew up with the UCI. I started, as I said, in 1994. I was 22. The UCI was nine people. I was number nine at the UCI. No way. Oh, I didn't realize it was so small. It was small. The UCI was was actually even smaller, just like 92, 93, because it was three organizations. It was the amateur federation, the professional federation, and then a small umbrella organization called the UCI above, because in the 60s, the IOC told the UCI, you can't have professional athletes in the Olympics. So the UCI had to create two separate organizations. Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. Amateur side of the sport and one uh, looking after the professional side of the sport. So it was very fragmented. And, and you know, in the 90s, IOC changed their mind and they said, we want the best athletes. So, you know, basketball, tennis, cycling, etc. all the, the pros went to the games. So it allowed the UCI to become one organization again but it was very very small and and the 90s it started to grow again because the, some money came from tv and sponsors contracts for the world championships yeah and and from nine people in 1994 it uh, grew to about uh, 100 now i would say but it was quickly quickly up to i'd say 40 60 80 by the the, the early uh, early 2000s so so i grew up the, the organization and and did so many different things met incredible people and was involved in in a lot of very exciting projects so i'm i'm actually grateful yeah amazing amazing experience and i, I mean i only mentioned the, the sadness bit earlier because i think where i was coming from is that Again, I think if you're 30, 40, 50 and you're looking from the outside and reading the press, it's very easy to judge. But I meant sadness from, you know, when you're 17 and 18 and going into the sport and having to make horrifically difficult decisions. That I find that very sad because I think it's not as black and white as what's painted in the media. That's what I meant from that perspective. But I mean, in terms of the, the 20 years you're there, tell us about some of the sort of highlights in terms of the events you were in and some of the more positive stuff. Obviously, were you involved in the Tour of Beijing? Was that, was that you? Yeah, that was me. <laughs> 
Yeah, wasn't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. I wondered that's how they're... Okay, interesting. So you obviously got to know Shannon when you're out there as well. I did. I did. And, and uh, well, the Tour of Beijing was my kind of final project at the UCI, but cool. uh, it was... Uh, I mean, you, you mentioned Shannon and, and, and yes, he's, he's a great friend and, and he's... He's the perfect example, you know, of why I stayed for so long at the UCI because I I met incredible people. Uh, you know, I had the opportunity to meet uh, you know champions who who became UCI officials, great leaders. I I learned so much. I was involved in so in so many things, and and I also got to ride my bike all all around the world uh, uh beijing is one place but but i i you know. in beijing hey eh? i've i've been up there and stayed with shannon and some amazing cycling just outside the city it it's absolutely incredible and uh you know ri- riding uh, at the foot of the the great wall of beijing and s- stopping for tea and noodles instead of yeah. of, of coffee and cake is is something absolutely absolutely uh uh amazing and uh and 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 yeah so so many so many things 20 years seems a lot you know staying you know working for the same employer for 20 years that's that's not very common and and you'd think that it becomes boring but the organization grew. I had different positions. You know, I had I was involved in the creation of the first women's World Cup in 1998. Went to the the Sydney Olympics as a technical delegate for road cycling in 2000. I I was uh, involved in the the creation and the the management of the UCI Pro Tour, which was the the, the first and and more ambitious version of the the current uh, World Tour. And that was something absolutely incredible because Pro Tour was a very ambitious project and was very controversial. So I was involved in crazy, you know, negotiations between the UCI, the teams, and and more importantly the ASO, the organizer of the Tour de France. Witnessed some some crazy crazy things. Learned about negotiations and learned uh, about what having big balls means. Uh, and uh, yeah, then moved on to to uh, the, the development of the sports worldwide with uh, with the tour of Beijing which I helped creating and organizing between uh, 2011 and 2014 very cool now some amazing experiences along the way and I, I want to sort of move on from the UCI and I don't mean to discredit the 20 years you had there but uh, I know you've been doing a lot since you left in 2014 but just just quickly I, I know that I think just again in the in the sort of wider cycling uh, consciousness that that the UCI has quite a bad reputation in in some regards but is also doing a lot of good stuff and quite often the good stuff doesn't really get the headlines as uh, that it that it warrants or merits what, what's your general view now in the year since you left in terms of how the UCI are doing what what are we what are they doing well what are the, what can they improve on it's it's hard to say because although I live uh, 15 kilometers away from the headquarters of the UCI and have kept some friends at the UCI mo- most of the staff has changed since then but uh, so I, I still have contacts um i i'm not so much involved so it's 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 difficult to say but but i'd say in in general you know the job of an international sports federation is very very difficult because yeah, yeah. you have to manage so many different things and in cycling it's 
it's not just road cycling or the top end of road cycling. You know, it's all the categories. Then it's mountain biking, it's cyclocross, it's track racing, it's uh, BMX. Uh, it's it's so many different things. The resources of federations or, or, the, or the ones that are the size of the UCI are not are not huge. You know, I remember the budget being about fifteen to twenty million euros a year. I hear now it's uh, it's it's more than that, but it's still comparable to team team Ineos, you know, so so that's not that's the not- scope of what you have to do is just it's almost too big a scope really, isn't it? And I think yeah. that you know I think I think professional cycling bodies struggle in other sports, but when it's so diverse as cycling, it makes it a lot harder. Yes, yes. And also it's it's an extremely political environment. You know, the way the UCI functions, it's made by national federations that are part of continental confederations that are represented in the management uh, boards. Uh, so so the, 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 the governance is is tricky. Uh, and dealing with professional cycling means dealing with organizers, teams, commercial elements. It's an, everyone's got their agenda, right? That's what I experienced first firsthand when when trying to build the UCI uh, uh, Pro Tour. You know, you you have this great idea of working all together and making the pie bigger, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And in the end, it's. Uh, it's a failure because some people disagree with it and uh, and 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 it just doesn't work. That must be so frustrating. Cool. So you left in 2014, is that right? Yeah, that's right. And 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 in your own words, you left to become a, a professional bike bum. <laughs> <laughs> Talk us through your journeys in the in the last six years because you've done some incredible stuff. So you're still based in Switzerland. Tell tell us what you've been up to and and how you came. To, to make the decision to do what you're doing now because I think there'll be many thousands of people around the world envious of, of the direction you've gone in. Yeah, so I I would love to tell a beautiful story that, uh, you know, I was uh, I, I made a conscious decision to leave the corporate world and and go my own way, become my own boss and, and do the things I love and, and that's everyone everyone should uh, should do but i'm not very good at telling those those kind of stories i have no ambition of writing a book or having a, a website or giving motivational uh, uh, speeches because what what happens was was a little bit grimmer i'd say uh, i loved working for the uci i i i was still enjoying myself but there were some changes at the at the head of the uci a new president was elected and decided that you know things had to change and i was part of the old guard so so one day i was just told that uh, i was not parts of the uci staff anymore and I had to find something else to do and wow. being the the naive and idealistic uh, cycling enthusiast that I was. It came pretty much as a surprise. Uh, so, yeah, one day in, uh, what was it, uh, October, November 2014, I, I was uh, without a job and had to figure out what what I would do next. Didn't really have precise ideas. The, the, the first thing I did was to 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 
sign up for the transcontinental race. Uh, oh, wow. Was, that was something, you know, I had never thought I would ever do, but a friend of mine, a very good friend of mine, Chris, had done it the year before. And one morning over coffee, he said, oh, today is the last day to, to apply for the for next year's 2015 transcontinental race. And I said, okay, so... Signed up, and three weeks later, got an email that uh, my application was uh, was accepted. So, so that was that was the first big scary goal, uh, you know, to keep me uh, um, motivated uh, while I was trying to figure out what I I was going to do with my life. Yeah. Uh, but um, the other thing that happened is that as I was on the the way out uh, of the UCI, I uh, I got the opportunity to sit down with. Actually, someone who lives in my village, uh, an Australian, Keith, who had the idea of starting uh, a company organizing cycling holidays, cycling tours. And, and as you know, as happens often when a door closes, another opens. And uh, we we had that conversation, and a few months later, he hired me to 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 create, to start the company, and and uh, and try try to grow it. So between twenty. 15 and 2018 that's that's why that's what i did which was to 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 organize uh, to manage to cycling holidays organize guide and, and and everything that's brilliant so just going back to the sort of the the exit and finding something because i think it's quite relevant for a lot of people at the moment given everything that's going on with with covid i, I imagine that was quite a tough time personally when when things came to the end at the uci but just just drawing on that piece around when one one door closes another one opens that's something that is worth everyone sort of considering at the moment given everything that's going on that as tough a thing as tough as things feel right now that there are opportunities and, and things do or can work out for the best yes yes no absolutely and uh again when when it happened to me you know it didn't feel that uh that 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 great uh but uh i i had a lot of support from my wife uh, she's she's american you know so i'm swiss so i'm very like conservative and uh, not risk risk adverse not conservative yes. risk, risk adverse i would say so yeah. the idea of, of of changing career was very you know very foreign to me and uh but she she just pushed me to do something new and to to you know try and 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 think of something else that would uh motivate me and and she was she was and still is hugely supportive in in everything what i do so i think it's important to have people around you who, who help you uh, uh move you know forward in your in your life and and yeah i mean there's there's always a way there's there's always a way and uh and you know i, I i'm still lucky to live you know in, in a country where where you know life is good where people are helpful and and it's, it's a good environment to to go through that transition i have to say too. yeah exactly and, and i think it's retaining the positives and and also realizing that whatever you've done you know 20 years at the uci you probably finished and thought okay what skills have i got but actually you've done so much and there's a tremendous amount that you could bring to you know obviously you moved into sort of doing the, the the trips but you could have done a multitude of different things but I think at the time it feels like oh god what can I do but there's a lot there and I think that's just worth sort of a point sort of worth making during during the time at the moment mm -hmm. yeah no absolutely and uh, yes I could have I could have looked for another 
office job because as as glamorous as working for the UCI sounds it's it is an office job you know you yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah. I could have found something similar in the cycling industry and uh, but uh, yeah no, I'm so so grateful I had this opportunity and I had that support from uh, from Lily and I decided to do something different that would be closer to you know uh, closer to I don't know you know I I had this feeling that for 20 years I had been part of of the you know the 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 the, the world governing body so i was i was i was my impact rightly or wrongly was was on 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 the the big picture you know on on changing the cycling worlds uh, and uh, i felt that this was what i wanted to do but uh, when i reflected you know and when it is this all happened i was like why what what kind of impact do I want to have? What what makes me happy? And I realized that having an impact on on people close to me was actually more important than changing the world. If you if you see what I mean. So so organizing cycling holidays, riding with people, taking yeah. them to beautiful places became much more appealing than uh, creating five-year plans to transform something that will anyway fail. Yeah, well, in a strange way, it's still part of the master plan, isn't it, really? You're creating experiences for people to fall in love with cycling and then go tell more people and it's still growing the sport in that respect. Yeah, I think, you know, at the end of the day, it's, 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 it's all about the same. It's using the, bi- the bicycle as a positive uh, thing to, to, to make the world a better place, but it's starting on the, on the other end, on, 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 you know, one cyclist at a time, basically. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Bottom up. So, so obviously you started with the guiding and the holidays, but you've diversified. You do all sorts now, don't you? You're sort of a tourism consultant. You've done some writing and some photography. And how, how have things evolved since you left the ECI? Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I've been, I've been, uh, in cycling one way or another since I was 12. I'm now 48. So that's 36 years. Uh, and when I look back, I realize that I, I've been riding my bike. The constant is I've been riding my bike, you know, all the time. But what it means to me and, and what's around has, has changed. And of course, racing was important at the beginning, you know, as a, as a kid, as a, as a teenager, a young adult. This is how, you know, I built my identity, how I, I, I built my self-confidence, my personality, how I defined me myself, you know, in the, in the world. And then it changed and I, I still love to push myself and put a number on my back. Uh, uh, sometimes I, I did, uh, uh, two uh, sportives this year and I still love it, but over time things changed and 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 I started enjoying different things about riding uh, one is traveling discovering new places uh, is being with people and and showing them these beautiful places uh, and and another thing is documenting and and in parallel with organizing tours guiding etc I I got absolutely passionate about 
photography and storytelling. Yeah. And at the beginning, it was a, it was a hobby. Then, uh, you know, of course, I was on social media, was sharing some stories, some some images, and it was the golden age of social media when building an audience was much easier than today, and you could do it organically without without too much effort as long as your your content was uh, was 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 engaging. So that's helped me uh, building a, a small audience on on social media and uh, when I did the transcontinental race I had some collaborations uh, taking over Instagram accounts with cycling tips amongst others and and writing stories when I you know came back for some 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 magazines so really enjoyed that uh, that aspects and and worked worked on it and in 2018 when the time came to 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 move on uh, from the the the, 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 the cycling holiday uh, uh, company then i was ready for the next step which was to really become my own boss and work freelance self-employed and yeah. and do i i kept organizing cycling tours and do some private guiding and i that's something i really really enjoy but the, the 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 time was right to go into content creation, storytelling, photography, and that's today. That's that's uh, a big uh, element of my uh, cycling activities to go to places, shoot, come back with stories, and share them in media with some brands I work with. Work with the destinations to help them promote themselves towards cyclists and also uh, share that on my on my channels and do you think that's the the your sort of evolution coincides with how cycling's developing as a sport and as a pastime as well or do you think that's just because we're getting a bit older but i i definitely get a, fa- a sense that the whole experience be it racing or traveling with your bike is becoming more prominent uh, it's developing purely just from being a sport to being a, a lifestyle thing uh, and even within racing and and then you look at within racing you look at sort of uh, Walt Van Aert and Matthew van der Poel sort of diversifying what they're where they're where they're competing and it's just becoming a, a different you know the, the sport is evolving in its entirety do you think that's part of it yeah to- totally agree it's it's a bit of both yeah one is that I'm I'm getting older so you know I can't just keep racing <laughs> all the time and uh, and and you know have you, you you in life you have to move on and 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 evolve otherwise uh, it becomes uh, boring so this opportunity to do more than just ride hard but also share it with people in person on the bike or or via images you know that's part of me growing uh, uh, growing older but the sport has changed and uh, the, the way yeah. people experience the sports is much more diversified today uh, uh, as a kid i got into cycling through racing now i see on the road you know i see more and more cyclists and that's great that's something you see everywhere but when i look at who these cyclists are, cyclists are uh you can see you know the, the 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 mammals definitely so people who started cycling at a later age to be to 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 become fit again to stay healthy yeah. and 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 hang out with their their friends but for me the the, the latest wave that's a big factor in the, the 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 boom today's boom is to see young people riding you know as couples or groups of friends they have 
nice bikes they have very trendy you know uh, kit uh, yeah. uh, and they are they are strong cyclists you know they love to climb big mountains but they didn't come to the sport because they watched the Tour de France and 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 raced you know in their local club they just started riding because it's trendy because it's cool and they and they and they love it you know and they and they are Instagram and social media freaks obviously uh, yeah they love to share the experience and 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 that kind that kind of stuff so so yeah the the, the way the sport is is you know uh, approached has has drum- changed dramatically over the years yeah that's interesting you say that I mean I, I still think it's, it's finding the balance right it's trying to capture a bigger audience and I suppose that was that was part of your previous life was to grow the sport as a whole and it's it's really capturing it that now and it's it's now sort of capitalizing on i I still think the tour is very romantic because as a kid it's so enormous and and just to try and get your head around it is is sometimes difficult but and then all these other different ways of of getting into the sport i think it hopefully we'll see it only continue to grow and and diversify as well and and participation numbers to come up and and hopefully drivers will be a bit better for cyclists on the road if we've got more people cycling right yeah no definitely it's it's a lifestyle and uh you know i i have i i I believe that that cycling will save the world you know it's a solution to so many problems of uh, of our societies in terms of health pollution traffic congestion and tourism and and you know everything you know so so i'm not too much into those big picture thing as i as i said so but and and i really try to to focus on the on the individual level but i still see the big picture and i think that uh that 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 the cycling lifestyle is 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 part of of the solution. Yeah, and and let's go back down to the individual level as well. Tell us a little bit about Switzerland and and some of the work you've been doing uh, in terms of promoting Switzerland and what's on offer for people that are curious about going to cycle in Switzerland. Yeah, Switzerland. So of course I'm I'm very biased because I I'm, I'm Swiss. I lived here all my life, and uh, we we all love our our con- country but i'd say you know when you when you ask people around you what's your what's your favorite cycling destination where would you dream to go cycling they will probably or most of them will tell you i want to climb Alpe d'Huez, i want to go to the ventoux i want to go to the the dolomites the stelvio or i don't know maybe drona tuscany and and these are places that are you know great to 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 go to and i i've i've been there and and can only recommend all these all these places but the reason why we dream about them is because the tour de france and the giro have made them famous you know onto the stelvio etc it's because we've seen the champions and they've made the legend of these climbs so 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 the french alps and the italian alps are famous for that switzerland is in the alps has Essentially, the same landscapes, the same roads, the same passes, but doesn't have the the, the spotlight of the, the, the of, a, of a grand tour, you know, to to create the legend. So it's a little bit underrated, although it's changing rapidly. I think it's it's on the radar of many cyclists these days, but still yeah. not as the number one destination. I'd say. It's kind of the the place where you know the the the, the cyclists that have done the Ventoux, the Stelvio, and uh, 
and uh, the, the Dolomites, you know, say, oh, what's next? Oh, Switzerland. Because, yeah, yeah, yeah. because you, yeah. have, you have high passes, you have amazing landscapes, you have great roads. I think that- just to interject there, you, exactly to your point, you said, you know, it's got the same, the same roads as the Italian and French Alps, but the, the quality of the roads is next level, right? The, the, the roads are of, of good quality. Yeah. Generally, I'd say that the traffic is, is reasonable. Because um, again, I, I don't want to to to, to seen, be seen as as criticizing. But when you dream of the Stelvio, you know, and 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 go there, you know, for your your summer vacation, and 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 start riding, climbing the Stelvio on a beautiful Sunday of August, the experience is is very much spoiled by the traffic because because it's just too much with motorbikes, camper vans, and cars, and and that's the case for many many climbs in in the Alps. Switzerland yeah. is not uh, is not uh, empty, obviously, but you you can find very good climbs that go very high in beautiful landscapes. So that like dream climbs for cyclists that are very very quiet, and that 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 I think makes uh, makes a big difference for cyclists. Very cool. So give us your top three. Who top three? Top three climbs in Switzerland. Um, so I would say that the Col du Sanetch might be number one. The Col du Sanetch is uh, is is the equivalent of the Stelvio in in terms of the difficulty. It's about the same length and same uh, difference of, of altitude, seventeen hundred meters of climbing. You you start in the vineyards in the the Rhone Valley and you finish at the foot of a glacier, and all of that is without much traffic because it's a dead end so you only have some hikers and uh, people who have uh, mountain huts up in the you know on the on the mountain that 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 go there so it's it's i think uh, an amazing experience for cyclists very good restaurant at the top so so it's uh, it's great and there's no road on the other side so when you get there you might be disappointed that it's a dead end and you have to turn back but actually there's a cable car so you can Hop on a cable car and go down the other side and and make it a loop. So uh, so that's 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 an incredible experience and I'm I'm lucky that I live close to it so I I can do this loop from from my house. That would be number one. Then uh, close seconds I think is the Grosse Scheidegg, which is uh, a road in it's a pass in the Bernese Alps near the, the near Interlaken. Uh, so again, amazing amazing you know back backdrop with uh, the the Eiger in the you know in the distance when you when you climb it the north face of the Eiger, but the 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 most amazing thing about this climb is that the top five six kilometers on both sides are closed to motorized traffic. So it's just cyclists and the occasional uh, uh, bus, like a public bus. Uh, so it's it's a narrow road. It's pretty steep, but it's it's an incredible experience, you know. So. Uh, the, the the French invented the Col de la Lose, but Switzerland had it from for for a long time, and it's called uh, the, it's called the Grosse Scheidegg. <laughs> Your question. I have to say the Col de la Lose looks spectacular. I loved yesterday's stage. Oh yeah, it was it was absolutely amazing from a visual point yeah. of view, and the French TV did an amazing job as always. So to see the, the you know the, the suffering on the face of the riders and the, this 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 was just mad and this this is why i love professional cycling actually but uh 
exactly. Yeah. yeah. And and for for AD, our, our mutual friend at Outcycles, it was uh, brilliant to see Outcycles all along the road there with two kilometers to go. Yeah, yeah, that's the that's the backyard. <laughs> so that was number two. And what was number three? Oh, number three, number three has to be the, the Gotthard Pass because okay, yes, yeah. the, the Gotthard is 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 basically the main access to the south of the Alps from the north. So this is where all the Germans, Swiss are going to Italy. So it doesn't okay. be very appealing, you know, for cyclists because it means a lot of traffic. But actually, most of this traffic goes in a, a tunnel under the mountain. Then you have ah. a main road up the pass that takes most of the remaining traffic. And then there is this Called, road called the Via Tremola from the, the south on, on the, the south to north direction. We start in, in Airolo in the Swiss, in the Italian speaking region of uh, part of Switzerland. Great espresso. So you, you have your espresso in Airolo, you start climbing this road which has very little traffic. And uh, after a few kilometers, you end up on uh, you know, the, the, the final six kilometers are cobbled, cobblestones. Uh, yeah, 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 amazing. And and not the Paris-Roubaix cobblestones, the very Swiss cobblestones, so pretty uh, smooth and uh, not so many missing, etc. So, so the, the riding on them is 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 not painful and and, uh, and a very cool experience. And you have a set, you have twenty four switchbacks near the top, and this is just cycling paradise and and and, and Instagram paradise and and paradise full stop you know it's it's an amazing experience so uh, uh, and you can make it as a as a loop with two other big swiss passes the, the furka and the and the nofnen so yeah that would be my number three and for people listening that uh, are interested in maybe ex- exploring switzerland as a destination next year where where should they start in terms of their research? Where would you suggest they base themselves? Who should they be looking at? What what advice could you give people? Yeah, there's 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 different there's different options. I just mentioned the the, the Tremola and the um, and and the Furka and the Nuften. So there's a, a town called Andermatt, which is at the foot of of uh, these passes, plus some others like the the, the Susten. The Grimsel is not far. The Oberalp. So this is a very good. Uh, this is a very Good, good base. It's not far from Zurich Airport. Easily accessible by by car, by by train as well. And there, I can only recommend a small hotel called the Soust Lodge, which is a great base for for cyclists. Bike friendly hotel. Very good people. Very good food. And uh, so good, good, good value. That would be an option. Then, um, then I mean, again, very biased, but. The region I, I live in, which is called the Alvodoise, is also a great base because it's it's the, the 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 just between what we call the pre-Alps and the Alps. So the passes are not so high, but are, there are many options. I live halfway up the Col de la Croix, which is eighteen hundred meters, but total of thirteen hundred meters of, of climbing if you start down in the Rhone Valley. So it's a it's a, it's a big pass can be combined with uh, some other passes, the Col des Pillons, Col des Moss, very close to the UCI headquarters, which is not just an office but also a, a high level training center. So there's a velodrome, there's yeah. you know, training facilities. You can you can stop for coffee, you can you can have lunch, and they are actually creating now offers for amateur cyclists to you know live the experience of training like a 
like, like a pro at the UCI training center. So that's a, that's a, that's a great experience. And, and it's close to the, the Col du Sanetch, which I mentioned before. So that would be, yeah. a, that would be another, another option. And, uh, and well, maybe a good, a good place to start might be the, the, the websites where I, I use all the contents that I shoot when I ride or, 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 you know, do my, do my work, uh, uh, as a as a photographer, it's called uh, Switchback. The URL is alpsinsights.switchback.com, and it's just a collection of the of the best riding, mostly right, yeah. and a little, little bit beyond. But uh, it's just the you know the creme de la creme. You know, I only put there the the, the, the my my favorite uh, uh, rides with some technical information, uh, GPX tracks, and 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 tips. It's all in there. Yeah, it's a great website actually. That you 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 preempted my next question. That's where I was leading you to. <laughs> so what what we'll do we'll we'll put the website and and those particular climbs that are featured on the website in the show notes. So if you're interested, go check it out. The photography is spectacular. The GPX is in there. It's a really nice website. It's definitely worth spending a, a few hours daydreaming, having a look at that at some point today. Yeah, it's it's I, I it's a great it's a great project. You know, I, it's so so cool to be able to to share this. You know, my writing and my 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 work on this uh, on this website. I, I do it as part of a, of a collective called Alps Insights, which was created by my good friends Dan and Janine Patitucci, and they are actually my Kind of photography mentors, you know everything I I've learned is 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 through them about about photography. I still have a, a lot more to learn to 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 improve, but uh, yeah, that that's been a, a huge inspiration to to work with them, and uh, it's a, it's it's a joy to 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 spend time on this website and interact, you know, with the, the people who visit it. Very cool. Uh, and what else can you can you tell us in terms of some of the brands you've been working with? What else have you been up to more recently? Yeah, so um, this year obviously was a particular year for for everyone. So the the, the, the guiding and the tours, uh, you know, were close to uh, close to, to 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 zero. And I I feel a lot for all the the guides and the cycling tours operators uh, out there I, I was with them or with a few of them including a in, in in my region took them on what we call a fam trip to, to show them the region and, and help them taking their clients their guests uh, 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 here so I I try to focus on some other aspects of my of my business and my writing so I you know I, I, I shoot and write stories for different magazines maybe the main one is velo magazine in uh, in France right. that's great because I have kind of a I, I, I look after their their what they call rubrique evasion you know so it's where they present a, a destination a cycling destination every every month and uh, I'm very grateful that I can I can share my my, my my passion for for riding in beautiful places in this uh, in this magazine i have started the collaboration with cyclist magazine and uh, the off-road issue there will be a, a piece on gravel biking i i shot this summer uh in the next issue that will be out uh, very very soon uh, very cool we've had Stu on the podcast actually Stu bowers has been on the podcast yeah so i yeah. you know again very grateful for Stu to trust my you know my 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 work and and open the pages of his his great magazine to uh to 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 my work i hope i can do 
much more because uh, because it's a, it's a great publication and, and great people. On the brand side, I've started doing some photo shoot for for brands, um, small but growing brand in Italy called Alka. We we shot their 2021 catalog around around my house it was pretty cool to uh, to to yeah, shoot cool. like on on roads i know and and that's that's why i'm again you know, it's great to live here because my my playground is is on my doorstep but also my my office is on my doorstep so so that's that, that, that's pretty cool tourism tourism i i work with the swiss swiss national tourism board and with some of the the big regions in switzerland like uh, like valle uh, yeah. do a lot to promote cycling in the, in the region and working with some events. The Tour des Stations, one of the few sporties that happened this year, I, I, I did. Yeah, that, that is a brutal event, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, they have different uh, distances. So you have the Medio Fondo, the Grand Fondo, which is part of the of the Marmot series. It's about 150 yes, yes. kilometers and 4,000 meters of climbing, so kind of Etape du Tour, uh, Marmot and Maratona level, but they have the Ultra Fondo event, which indeed is brutal. I've done the three editions so far. And, and this year they decided even longer and it was 8,000 meters of climbing. First time in my life I climbed 8,000 meters. Might might be the last time, but uh, but uh, I did it. <laughs> How was it? Was it a good day? It was hot as well, wasn't it? It was hot. It was hot yeah. and long and uh, I was slightly under trains, but I, I finished, which was my goal. And it was, a, you know, a lot of type one fun, quite a lot yeah, yeah, yeah. of type two fun, but very little type three fun. So in overall, it was a great, great experience. And, and when I think of it, I'm, you know, I'm in this stage uh, a month or so later where I think, oh, I, I might do it again next year. <laughs> Very good. Well, uh, Ed Lerak, who we had on the on the podcast as well, he was out there for it, wasn't he? He did quite a, a, an entertaining video recounting his experience. So I'll put that in the show notes if you want to check it out as, a, as an event to do for next year for anyone listening. Yeah, great event. Excellent. Look, I've taken up loads of your time. It sounds like you're, you're super, super busy. Have I missed anything? Is there anything else you wanted to bring up or discuss or anything you want to tell anyone? No, I don't think so. I mean, uh, thanks Thank you very much for for you know I'm very grateful I can be part of the of the podcast I'm a I am an avid listener I love podcasts and I have to say that uh, yours is uh, is very entertaining and uh, and I've you know I I, I listen to, to to every episode so um, yeah really well done and 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 keep up the good work I really appreciate that well thank you very much for taking the time it's been great to chat and now now I want to go riding in Switzerland so uh, <laughs> maybe next year. Well, as, as soon as weather and travel restrictions allow it, please come. You are, you know, you're, you're, you are my guest here, and I'd love to take you on my on my on my favorite road roads here. Very kind, thank you. Well, lovely to, to chat, and we'll we'll stay in touch, and we'll we'll speak soon. Thanks. Bye. Thanks. Bye. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to the podcast, and more importantly, don't forget to download the Unfound app and join cyclists from around the world on the hub. We'll see you on there.